everyone! Welcome to episode 67 of The Book Cougars, Two Middle-Aged Women on the Hunt for a Good Read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. Happy, Happy New, new year. year! It's a, a new year. Lots of new episodes ahead. We're really excited. We haven't seen each other in a while. I know. Emily was off gallivanting with her son out west. Yeah, I had a, a big time. adventure. And um, we had a one, that wonderful episode with Laura. Mm-hmm which I really enjoyed. I finally just got to listen to yours and words. I really wanted to devote time and my good speaker to mm-hmm. it and really enjoyed it. Awesome. So. Great. Yeah, thanks to everybody for listening for that and for the great feedback. It's been really heartwarming to hear people have been enjoying it. Yeah, and I'm really excited for Laura and wish great things for it in the future. So you had, you had a follow-up I to episode 65, I Yes, think. so Chris in Vermont, who is our... Our friend and fellow Booktopian pointed out that I had misspoken when I was talking about the real Lolita, and I was talking about the Lolita character, who was actually Humbert Humbert, and I had said Hubert Humphrey, (laughs) which was actually the vice president under uh, LBJ, so... Just wanted to clarify that for anybody who was listening. And we're glad that we gave Chris a good giggle, which (laughs) she said she got out of the whole thing. So Chris and I were both, uh, in looking over our lists of what to talk about today, realized that we have, and this is not going to surprise you, done a lot of reading. So we probably won't go in depth necessarily in all of the books that we talk about today, but we'll certainly list all of the things we've read. Yeah, this is kind of like the holiday catch-up episode. Yes, because I, with all my travels especially, I got to do extra reading. And then just, you know, when the world shuts down and gets a little quiet over the holidays, always a good time to, mm-hmm. to read. So so what are you currently reading? Well, I'm, I currently have three books going at this point. And one of them is an audio book. It's Girls on the Line by Amy K. Runyon. And that is a World War One novel mm. set in, during World War One. It's historical fiction. Excellent. Enjoying that. I think I just have... Like a two hours to go, so I'll probably finish that one today. Excellent. I'm also reading. Sh- should I just go? Yeah, yeah. Go okay. Go I'm reading a collection of poetry called Oceanic by Amy uh, Nezkamatalhil. I think is how you pronounce her name. I have seen her online reading her poetry, mm. and this is a book, Oceanic, that I believe Roxanne Gay had plugged, and another writer that I follow plugged around the same time in 2018 and I had a hard time finding it I couldn't find it anywhere here in the east coast couldn't find it when I went to LA so I ended up having to order it online and I am reading those poems right now Mm, fantastic and then I did start reading a novel just this morning so I'm I'm just like a very beginning it's the new Jane Harper mystery the lost man this one is coming out in February 2019 Jane Harper as you know some of you might know. Anyway, she's the Australian mystery writer that's really hot right now. And this is her third entry. She wrote The Dry, the is dry, that right? Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, The Dry. And that's the one that Reese Witherspoon has optioned and is making a movie. Okay. Out of The Dry, yeah. Dry, and then last year's book was Force of Nature. And oh, I enjoyed both right. of those two. Yeah, yeah I enjoyed yeah. them very much. So Excellent. Good, good reading happening. How about you? I'm reading Less by Andrew Sean Greer. It was the winner of the Pulitzer. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I have this thing where like at the end of the year and the beginning of the year, I'm very particular about what I'm reading. Yes. <laughs> so I had started it, I think, the Friday night before, I think New Year's Eve was Monday or something. And 
it got to be Sunday and I was like, nope, this isn't the book I want to be reading for New Year's. Mm-hmm. I'm a weirdo. No, I'm so, with you. It, okay. has to be, it has to be the right vibe. Yeah. yeah. So I, it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it. I just put it back down. So I'm going to pick it back up this week. And then on this big trip, which I will talk about more as the episode goes on, there were points in it where I thought, oh, I need to have some short story slash essay stuff going on because I know I'm not always going to be able to just jump into fiction because I was doing so much driving and traveling. So I started an essay collection called Wedding Toasts I'll Never Give (laughs) by Ada Calhoun. And it's very funny, very irreverent, and it's basically about marriage and the complexity of marriage and how it's, you know, hard, um, but worth it, but (laughs) hard. So um, I have it available both as on my e-reader and audio, and I haven't plugged into the audio yet, but I'm looking forward to doing doing that moving forward. And then I also, just like you, um, just barely started Clock Dance by Ann Tyler. But that's the book I wanted to be reading on New Year's Day because I find her fiction very kind of relaxing to read, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way to say it. And I haven't read a good Ann Tyler in a while. So those are the three I'm I'm working on. Excellent. Look at that. We're both reading three books at the same yeah. time. And I think we both just read eight, eight books. Eight books. We did. <laughs> so we have eight books to catch up on. Twinsies. <laughs> so we both read one of the same. So yes. should we talk about that to start? Yeah. Read The Widows. By Jess Montgomery. Right. It is historical fiction, mystery type novel mm-hmm. from Minotaur Press. And it's a, based on the first woman sheriff in Ohio. Right. Loosely based Loosely on, based, on yeah. that, which was true. There was a female sheriff in Ohio, in southern Ohio. And so it, it when I was reading it, it really hearkened me back to my old stomping grounds. You yeah. know, very familiar place. Very cool. And it's set in the 1920s. So more on that yeah. in the next episode. We're looking forward to having Jess on. Right. And so the release day for the book is January 8th, which is the day this episode airs. So if anyone wants to grab it and read it, we will be talking with Jess on episode 68. And I really enjoyed it. I so, did too. Yeah. 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 So what else did you read? Okay. I'll start with three books that I DNF'd okay. that did not finish. <laughs> One of them was Manhattan Beach by Uh, Jennifer Egan. I gave it almost 50%, I think, and it was so friggin' boring. Mm. I just thought, okay, how can somebody take World War II, a woman diver, gangster, and make it boring? Like, I just, there was Mm. nothing there. I didn't care about the characters at all. You know, usually I want to be gripped by a character, whether they're, you know, good, bad. Hmm. There was just nothing there to really grip me. And I thought, okay, I felt like I was wasting time. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. I DNF that. Then I also DNF two other mystery novels that are coming out in January 2019. The Alumni Association and then Dark Streets, Cold Suburbs. They're both sophomore novels. They were kind of a mess. I can see people appreciating Manhattan Beach for the writing if you like writing that's beautiful but boring. Um, but Don't mince words, Chris. <laughs> the other two books were just too many problems hmm. to keep me interested. Now, were they authors? You didn't say the author's name. So were they authors where their their freshman book was really popular? So you think they rushed to get it out? I don't or think so. They just were problematic. Problematic. And, you know, you always hope that, you know, it's an advanced reader copy. 
you do hope that they fix a lot of those problems with plotting yeah and characterization but when you're reading an advanced copy that's coming out in a month or two i i, I feel like chances are there's not going to be a huge revision there. yeah yeah so yeah hmm. so just really characters again that were all over the map plots that were yawn worthy so enough of that yeah well i finished elevation by stephen king oh cool it's a really tiny novella i really enjoyed it it's my first stephen king i had a great conversation with my gentleman caller and his son i didn't realize how many movies have been made from stephen king novellas or short stories Mm -hmm. so i don't i can't picture this one being made into a movie but who knows it was it took place I can't remember now the name of the town. Castle Rock, maybe? Is that right? It's a town that he's written about before, I guess. And it's about a man who is losing weight. And nobody can explain it. But when he... And then there's a whole thing about the environment. And there's a story arc about a restaurant and small towns and all that. I really enjoyed it. That's cool. I really did. It was easy to read. He's definitely an amazing writer. I mean, Jim picked up that novel, 112263, the one about JF, the JFK assassination. Mm-hmm. It's about a million pages. It is. Doorstop. It's a total doorstop. And I just picked it up and started reading it and was completely engrossed and thought, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it might be good to listen to on audio for two months, but I'm yeah. not going to read this. It's too big. Yeah, Stephen King, he's just he really is brilliant yeah. in the way he just draws you in. Yeah. Well, and that's what happened to me with this book. We were up at Northshire in Manchester, and I just picked it up. I'm talking about Elevation again, and read the first chapter and was like, I've got to get this book. So I'm glad to have be, you know, somewhat in the Stephen King Club. I don't picture myself picking up it anytime soon, but it was a great read. Again, Elevation by Stephen King. Well, I read my first Christmas cozy. Oh. I had never read one that I remember anyway. (laughs) Add that in there. Uh, the Mistletoe Murder by Leslie Meyer. John Valerie, our mystery man, gave me the copy because he knew I was kind of interested in trying a cozy mystery. So he chose that for me. And I enjoyed it very much. It's part of the Lucy Stone series. It's actually the first. There are over 20 now. Oh, wow. So she's quite prolific. It came out in 91. So there's some things that date it, but not in a bad way. It doesn't affect the mystery itself necessarily. But just a couple things. The kids are watching. A Garfield special on the VCR. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah, kids today might even not even know who Garfield is, right? Uh, or the, what a VCR is, for right? That yeah. And then the husband says at one point that his wife should take some Midol. <laughs> 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 and, <laughs> and as I said in my really brief Goodreads review, you know, spoiler alert: the husband lives. <laughs> I said, do they even make Midol anymore? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I that's know. That's hilarious. Yeah. For, for people who don't know, that's like something you take for PMS. For and, PMS, yeah. Right, yeah. Oh, my God. PMS was so big in the 80s and 90s. And yeah. Acting like it was some kind of disease and women were crazy. and Yeah, yeah. The, the 80s and 90s version of hysteria. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I, I did enjoy it. Uh, Lucy Stone, in this book anyway, I think in subsequent editions in the series, she becomes a reporter, I think. But in this one, she is working the second shift of a mail-order catalog company in Maine. Oh. Vermont Country Store is obviously in Vermont. Mm -hmm. L.L. Bean is in Maine. Maine. So, you know, you picture her working for one of those companies. And she has two kids. It's Christmas time. 
her mom's coming in to visit, in-laws coming in to visit, lots of things going on. And there are two brothers who run the company that she works for, and one of them she finds dead. Ah. And the mystery takes off from there. So I enjoyed it very much. Did you miss blood splatter and all that kind of stuff? No, I did not. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, I, I took kind of a break from blood splatter I think that's a, a good holiday yeah. thing to do. I had started one even around the summertime that was just too violent and I just I just can't deal with this right now. So you're preaching to the yeah. choir. <laughs> <laughs> but that was Mistletoe Murder by Leslie Meyer. Nice. Well, on my flight out to the West Coast, I read Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. Jonathan Evison's quite a prolific Pacific Northwest author, so perhaps that's why I got the bug to read it mm-hmm. on my way there. I really like him, and I have a soft spot in my heart because he was the first author that I ever moderated at a Booktopia event, and that was the Booktopia that took place in Bellingham, Washington. He's a fantastic writer. It was was the perfect airplane book. I mean, I just got completely lost and ignored everything that was happening around me, which is never a bad idea on an airplane, I think. And it's kind of a... A little bit of a cultural, looks at culture and people who have money and people who don't. And as you might imagine, a lawn boy can be treated very differently by people who have money and people who don't. So the character is trying to make his way as a young person who's trying to figure out about whether to be educated or not, and how to be educated and making a go of his life. Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was brilliantly written and highly recommend it and I recommend all of Jonathan's books I've read everything that he's written and I think he also writes really well from the male perspective and he can be irreverent in the way that young boys are irreverent and that was really true in his book The Revised Fundamentals of Caregiving so if you like that kind of writing I highly recommend him Lawn Boy Jonathan Evison what do I talk about next so I'll jump to a nonfiction book that I read. It's called Lost Connections, Uncovering the Real Causes of Depression and the Unexpected Solutions. And that's by Johan Hahn. I have read books over the years about depression. It's a subject I'm interested in because I've dealt with it in my life. But it's been a long time since I picked one up. And I don't remember how this one crossed my path. But I enjoyed it very much. He starts talking about how the whole idea of drugs and what drugs do to the brain kind of is an accidental discovery that was made. It's not kind of, it was an accidental discovery that the certain drug that they gave patients for one thing made them hyper, so they tried that on depressed people and that worked. But finding that really any kind of drug that you give for the brain is gonna affect the brain one way or the other, and that the drugs, Prozac, Wellbutin, you know, all these other drugs, may not be the solution for depression. Hmm. They may give a sense of, you know, false hope for some people. They act like sugar pills for other people, so that means that they do have a a good impact. Hmm. Um, But that he thinks, according to the the people he's interviewed, it's been pretty much disproven that these drugs don't work in the way that the pharmaceutical companies advertise them. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so he said pretty much, as much as you can disprove anything in science, the whole drug thing and depression is pretty much Humpty Dumpty on the floor. Hmm. But the pharmaceutical companies are still marketing them as the solution. Hmm. And his solutions are, you know, if you look at his title, Lost Connections. It's about the loss of connections that we have to ourselves, to our values, to our society, 
he's from the UK, and he does talk about Margaret Thatcher's neoliberalist attitude that there is no such thing as society, and how destructive that was mm. in the eighties and now. And I even read a political editorial last night that mentioned Margaret Thatcher's attitude towards society and mm. her claiming that there is no such thing as society. And, and that's something that Reagan jumped on, and that was the whole trickle-down that we don't need these social institutions. Mm. And part of the fallout is here we are even more disconnected from each mm. other as a society. So mm. I thought that was a really interesting connection. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated when you see something in a book for the first time for yourself mm-hmm. and then a couple weeks or days whatever later it pops up in a different place and it's kind of like wow yeah that's cool that's a great connection and something to think about and yeah so yeah so i enjoyed it i i would say you know i didn't do like a detailed read like i was going to write a book report or anything mm-hmm. but i i enjoyed it and i think the whole issue of connection is out there people mm-hmm. talk a lot about the importance of connecting to yourself and your society and family and friends and having love and values that are true to you Mm. and yeah so i enjoyed it lost connections johan hari well i think connection is so important and it's something that of course over the holidays i think a lot about because that's family time i'm using air quotes and i know for people who have problematic relationships with their families it's part of what leads to depression over the holidays because on tv and in advertisements and you know the world at large holidays are supposed to be all about love and joy and spending time with your family and that Mm -hmm. doesn't always happen for people so I think it's a really interesting to just think about connection in general and I mean I was reading a thing about podcasts and just saying part of why podcasts hello everybody out there (laughs) are popular is because of the human voice Mm -hmm. and how people want that connection to other people and just to hear the human voice and in things like Facebook and Instagram. And those are ways that I actually really appreciate staying connected to people in my life, particularly my children, you know, when they post pictures of their day or something like that, it just warms my heart. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't warm my heart the same way it does to pick up the phone and hear my kid's voice or one of my best friend's voice, you know? Right. So there is, I mean, I think all of these avenues we have for connection are great, but the human voice is a different form of connection that I really appreciate. Yeah. You know, know. I have to tell a story about that. It just clicked in my head as as you're talking. When I was in boot back in the eighties, you didn't have phone call access. You Mm. were able to make one scripted phone call when you first got there to say you arrived. Mm-hmm. And then at towards the end, you got to receive one phone call. Mm-hmm. So you wrote a letter to whoever it was saying, you can call me on this day, this time, this number. And so during boot camp, at, back then, Marine Corps boot camp for women was eight weeks. And I got letters from my family. It was great. I wrote them letters. But on that night when we were allowed to get phone calls, I somebody said, recruit Wallach, you have a phone call. So I ran down to pick up the phone, picked it up, and I was like, this is Recruit Wallach, and it was my mom. She's like, hi, honey, hi, baby, whatever she said. I burst into tears, mm. and it shocked the hell out of me. Yeah. It really did. Like, I did not anticipate that. Yeah. And so we talked, and she's like, are you okay? I was like, I am okay. I'm just, it's so good to hear your voice. Yeah. And so when I hung up, the, the clerk who was manning the phone, I looked at her, and I said, don't tell anybody that I started crying. <laughs> She's like, it's happening to everybody. 
She's like, just about everybody who comes in to get a, to pick up the phone call, mm. they burst into tears, and it shocks yeah. them. Yeah. But I think, like, you're young. Yeah. It's your first time away from everything you've known. Yeah. And yeah. then to hear that voice. And that's a long time to not talk to the people yeah. you love. Yeah. You know? I think things are different now in boot camp. I think they have access to. Um, I, I have know. a friend whose son went off. This was for the National Guard. Mm -hmm. And no, they had to check their phones. They okay. couldn't have it with them. That's you know, their good. cell yeah. phone, I mean. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Because I know I had a cousin who went into the Army in the 80s, and, like, they got to make phone calls every weekend, mm. I thought. Oh, maybe he did get to do that. Okay. I don't know. I know he couldn't use his cell phone, but. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the voice, human voice. The human voice. Especially yeah. when it's a voice like your mom. Yeah, I mean, that you care about. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, you know, I'm in this relationship that's not long long distance but we live an hour apart and mm -hmm. we don't get to see each other every day and the fact that we get to pick up the phone and talk to each other mm -hmm. makes a huge difference yeah. you know so yeah. yeah the voice the voice yeah well i speaking of voices i had once i flew out to the west coast i was in bend oregon and i had to drive down to san francisco and I had about a three-hour portion of the trip that was absolutely harrowing. The weather was terrible. There was a layer of ice on oh the boy. road. There were tractor trailers going off the road. It was so scary. And I had gotten from our mutual friend, Jana, she had told us about this audio called Girls and Boys by Dennis Kelly. He's a playwright. So it was a play. And it was narrated by Carrie Mulligan. Oh, cool. And it was really, truly a performance. It wasn't just her reading the words. And I want to say it was two hours. It was not very long. I listened to it during this harrowing ride. And I have to say, it was unbelievable. Wow. It's an unbelievable performance by Carrie Mulligan. It's very disturbing. It is not a happy story. But I highly recommend it. I got it on Audible. I don't know. I didn't look to see if it's available in the library system. And if it is, you know, be careful because it might just be the ebook, which is be reading a play, which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. But her performance is phenomenal. And then the, the version I had had a really great interview with the playwright also about why he wrote it and how he chose Carrie Mulligan and all that. So highly, highly recommend. It got me through a terrible drive. Thank you, Jana. <laughs> So. I, had, I had to channel my Midwest girl, like, go 35 miles per hour and don't touch your brake. Yeah, wow. So, yeah. Glad you're here to tell the tale. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> and Jana's part of that Booktopia contingent who like dark yes. books, like Anne Kingman. Yeah. Stuff. It is dark. It is really dark. But it was, I felt like I had seen a play. It was amazing. So I highly recommend it. Girls and Boys by Dennis Kelly. Well, I listened to a disturbing, I didn't listen to it, I'm sorry, I read a di disturbing book, uh, The Hunger by Alma Katsu, which is a f historical fiction based on the Donner Party, which for those of you who don't know about the Donner Party, they were a group of people led by the Donner family, They're, the name is associated with them, who left Illinois doing the wagon train thing, trying to get to California in the mid-19th century. They didn't plan very well. They were also misled by somebody to take this other alternate route, which ended up causing the catastrophe that happened. By the time they made it to the Sierra Nevadas, they didn't have food, their resources were gone, and it was one of the snowiest winters on record. 
So they ended up resorting to cannibalism, Mm -hmm. which is a tradition in seafaring life. There are a lot of stories of sailors who resort to that. Uh, But this story caused a huge sensation. And it's still very much part of the lore of Nevada. Um, There, Donner Lake, it's a, a state park or a national park. I don't know if it's state or national when I lived in Reno, I used to go there to grade papers because mm. it is a beautiful area and they have Jeffrey Pines that smell like vanilla. Mm. So it's just a gorgeous area. But also, when you think about the families living there, it's, yeah. Anyway, so the story <laughs> is a, a fictionalized account of this. And I didn't really like it, I have to say. Because I feel like the real story of the Donner Party is scarier mm-hmm. than any type of creatures or myths or things that happen in the story of this uh, yeah. uh, of this uh, historical fiction yeah account and once again i, w- I feel like i was mi- misled by stephen king because he blurbed it uh. and i've picked up other books that he's blurbed as, as being you know unput downable or mm-hmm. whatever and i just don't get into them hmm. like i do a stephen king novel but yeah. maybe there's nothing like a stephen king well novel. maybe that's the problem yeah it's like you right. he says it's great so you think it's going to be him as good as his writing and or, it's yeah not, or at least yeah. have some kind of um yeah, yeah so the hunger it was interesting and i it's interesting because i it made me think a little bit about march that we read mm-hmm. and how i had issues with that taking somebody like Bronson Alcott and making him taking his fictionalized character that his daughter fictionalized and taking it into a new fictional story right. that was so far removed from who the man was in real life that that annoyed me a little mm-hmm. um, but I didn't have that problem with the hunger because I don't know that much about the specifics mm-hmm. of who the people were mm-hmm. in the in the Donner part but in the hunger I just felt like it kind of relied on some stereotypes Mm, like mm-hmm. ooh, she might be a witch and ooh, there's a closeted gay guy who drinks i don't want to say more okay. i shouldn't say more because i don't want to blow the story because i've read reviews from other people who love this book well it was in a top 10 list with of, yes. of books like this which is why yes. jim picked it up yeah. so jim was reading it the same time that chris started reading it yeah and i talked to him this morning and he was like tell me what chris says <laughs> when you record because he liked it until the end. He oh. thought that the end wasn't very strong, but he mm-hmm. did like the book. Mm-hmm. And it also led to us having a very interesting conversation about cannibalism. Because the only thing, when when I said, what's it about? And he was like, the Donner Party. And I was like, aren't those the people who ate each other? And he said, yeah. And I said, you know, I'd want you to eat me. And he just looked at me like, what? And I said, if I were dead, I mean, I wouldn't want you to eat me alive, you know. But if I were dead... I would want you to eat my body to keep yourself alive. And he was just completely (laughs) turned off by this conversation. And I said, you know, start with my fingers. It'd be easy. (laughs) Because I just feel like, I mean, I have very strong feelings about, you know, your body once you're dead. But um, anyway, he he did like it. I mean, I think there's some supernatural stuff. There is, yeah. yeah, Native American spirituality and I did like parts of it, but mm-hmm. overall, I didn't enjoy the book. But I did read the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that's saying something. But I had seen it on lists. Yeah. And, you know, friends reading it and really liking it. And then when you posted the picture of the books you and Jim took out of the library, I was like, oh, The Hunger. Yeah. So that's when I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to read next. Okay. So yeah. I read an e-copy. Yeah. 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 Well, so there, and I read um, the author's blurb at the end or her well, I don't know if it was what she called it acknowledgments or author's note 
she listed the books that she used, the references she used for um, understanding the Donner Party. And the one that she relied the most heavily on was the Donner Party Chronicles, a day-by-day -day account of a doomed wagon train, 1846 to 1847, and that is by Frank Muller Jr. Hmm. There was also one called Desperate Passage, the Donner Party's Perilous Journey West by Ethan Rarick. Those were the two that she relied on a lot. And she thanked two people who were helping her make it get closer to a movie. Ah. So yeah. that is another thing that I felt while I was reading it mm -hmm. was the movie potential yeah. of it, yeah. which is something I have felt when I've been reading some of these, quote, sequels to Dracula. Mm -hmm. I think, like, they're going for the Hollywood version. Yeah, yeah. So that might be something that I felt more that the character development wasn't really there for a novel. Yeah. But you could totally see these people on the screen. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, I read books now and I'm like, oh, I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 So that was The Hunger by Alma Katsu. I read How to Start a Fire by Lisa. I've, you know, been seeing this book everywhere, bookstores and stuff, so I decided to try to get a copy of it and I was reading on my e-reader while away. It went back and forth in time. It's about three friends who meet each other in college times. They're kind of a mess, as we tend to be in our early 20s. There are some bad things that happen. And the story, like I said, is told back and forth in time. It jumps around all over the place. It's not like a lot of stories just go back and forth to one time and then back, you know, past, present, past, present. This was like 1999, 2008. 2004, 1992. So it was a little confusing, and there was a part of me that thought if I had the hard copy in my hand, I might have done a little better with that. Okay. But as I sometimes give up with people's names, I just kind of said, just read it and mm -hmm. see what happens, mm -hmm. you know? I didn't love it. And, you know, just to clarify, I thought part of why I maybe didn't love it was just that I was kind of all over the place while I was reading it because it was during my trip. Yeah. And I was sleeping in a different bed every night and it was just, you know, kind of a crazy time for me too. But I think it was partly just the characters, they weren't likable, which doesn't bother me, but I just, I didn't, I just didn't like them, uh -huh. you know, and it, there's some disturbing things that happen and they're not taking very good care of themselves and things like that. So I can't give it a rave review, but like you with The Hunger, I did read it to the very end. Uh -huh. So three college friends. They're kind of mean to the people around them. <laughs> they have some bad things happen. Read about it and decide if you want to read it. <laughs> How to Start a Fire, Lisa Lutz. All right. Well, the last book on my list, I think it's the last one here, was my first read of 2019, which like you, I want to pick a book at the end of the year and the beginning of the year that I've been really looking forward to or really want to reread. So the book I started with was My Mortal Enemy by Willa Cather. Ah, nice. It's the January Willa Cather Book Club selection. So we'll be meeting on the 17th at Book Club Bookstore and More. If you're in the area and want to come by, we welcome new members. My Mortal Enemy is a short novel. It's a novella. I mean, if we want to do definitions, some people might even say it's short for a novella. It's mm. just over 100 pages. Mm. I have no, that a, would be a novella in my book. But. I have a couple editions here. This is the first edition, mm. which oh yeah, look at that. So first edition was just I turn the pages, 122 pages. Okay. So it's about Myra Henshaw, who is one of Cather's. A lot of people say like one of her 
meanest, nastiest characters. A lot of people think that. Some people are more sympathetic. I feel like I get more sympathetic towards her with each reading. And this was one of the first Catherine novels I read. Like, maybe mm. in the, the first four that I read, this one was in there. It's a young woman who grew up in Illinois with this story of Myra Henshaw, who left her uncle's fortunes to marry for love. Mm. So she sees Myra Henshaw as a teenager, and they are in Illinois. They have time in New York. You get these great scenes of old New York, which I love. And then the second part of the book is this young woman, the narrator, running into Myra Henshaw later in life in San Francisco. Mm. It's an anti-fairy tale. You know, girls are raised with such fairy tales of marrying for love. Yeah. And this is a kind of an anti-fairy tale. Mm. So it's really super short. I highly recommend it. It's not one of Cather's more well-known novels. I have never seen it in a bookstore. Wow. At all. Unless it's like the Willa Cather Foundation bookstore right. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, it is often in libraries, mm-hmm. um, but there are used copies available at used bookstores and whatnot. Um, you might have to resort to buying it online if you want to read it, but I highly recommend it. My Mortal Enemy by Willa Cather. So I, I maybe have never asked you this. I think you've said which is your favorite Cather, but would this rank up as one of your favorite, or do you just like all the Cathers? I like all of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think when I say my favorite, like one of ours has been mm-hmm. kind of at the top of my mind. I think it's, when I say it's my favorite Cather novel, it's like it's the novel I think about the most. I find myself randomly thinking about something, or mm-hmm. a scene pops into my head. Right. But I love all of her novels. Yeah. I really do fangirl but this would be a nice place to start if you've never read her it's like me starting with that novella of Stephen King's you know Mm -hmm. just to get a little entrance just to get an entrance into the beauty of her writing and so many people start with a book like My Antonia which Mm -hmm. was huge this last year because it was the 100th anniversary of that novel's Mm -hmm. publication or Oh Pioneers Mm -hmm. is one that used to be read in college a lot so people usually start with her Nebraska novels because that's what historically she's been known for. Mm-hmm. I think in her lifetime, like in her obituary, the novel that's mentioned as, you know, kind of top billing is A Lost Lady. Which is the one I have on my shelf yeah. that you gave me. Yeah, because yeah. that, that was hugely popular. Mm-hmm. I mean, she won the Pulitzer for one of ours. Mm-hmm. Um, but her writing is so much more than the Nebraska novels, mm-hmm. which are brilliant and which did so much to establish immigrants as worthy topics for writing about mm. in this country. Mm-hmm. And she has so many more facets to her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she spent most of her life in New York. Right. Well, Willa Cather, she's on my list for 2019. Definitely. All right. I'm going to you know surprise what? you one of these if days. We, if we read A Lost Lady at the Willa Cather Book Club this year, I might drag you along. Yes, that's a good idea. Yeah. I love that idea. Give you free food. <laughs> <laughs> She knows how to get me. (laughs) Well, I also read The Sisters Brothers by Patrick DeWitt. This has been on my radar since Anne and Michael talked about it years ago. Yeah. And um, it's been made into a movie, which is part of why I re-remembered that I wanted to read it. And it's got a great cast, so I can't wait. It's a Western, which I love a good Western. Uh I'm a huge Larry McMurtry fan. And it's about these brothers whose last name is Sisters. That's why it's the Sisters Brothers. 
they're very the two brothers are very different and they have a task to go out and find somebody and it's during the time of the gold rush mm. and this is somebody who's found a new way to try to pan for gold essentially okay so all sorts of mayhem ensues body parts get shot oh, you know it's a classic western <laughs> And it's also where the two brothers who work together have different goals for what they want to see their future become. And one is kind of ready to get out of the business of killing and the other isn't. And the one that isn't is the one that's kind of the in-charge brother and the more... Um, the older brother? You, you know, for some reason I thought they were twins, but oh, okay. I don't... I can't remember that part. I've read well, so you know, many even books. Twins that's terrible. Have it argues yes. about who's older. older. Yeah. That's true because I knew a lot of twins yeah. when I was growing up. They were like, "I'm older. <laughs> I came out first. Um, but it was a C-section. The other one used to say, "Like who knows how it was supposed to be?" Oh my God, they do argue. There's some poignant parts about it, you know, and there's a good cast of characters along with it. I could totally see, talk about making into a movie. I could totally picture the movie as I was reading it, which sometimes happens, though, to me, particularly if you've seen a trailer or a little, even just like the picture of the, you know, movie poster, to me, that even gives it away. It does. It puts that character in your head if there's a face picture on the poster, yeah. I mean, I remember that was one of my objections to the whole Harry Potter thing, was that the movies were coming out as the books were still being produced, because then you had an image of what Mm -hmm. the characters were like now that was different necessarily than the one you had created in your mind. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people, especially like Hermione, they thought, oh, she's too cute to be Hermione. Right, Yeah. yeah. I also wasn't pronouncing it Hermione until I saw the movie and I was like oh it's not Hermione who knew (laughs) (laughs) oh my god but um but I really enjoyed it if you're looking for you know a page turner little western I thought it was great and there were some surprises along the way so the sisters brothers by Patrick DeWitt I think I'm finished I have check marks next to all the books that I read Okay, I have two more. I have The Incendiaries by R.O. Kwan, which was on my radar all of 2018. And I finally finished it on New Year's Eve slash New Year's Day. And it's a very small book. She Her writing is very unusual. As I was reading it, I was like, how am I going to describe this? She uses more semicolons than any author I've ever experienced. Interesting. Very spare writing, very short chapter. I think there's three different characters, and so each chapter will have the chapter changes. It's for that particular character. I don't want to give anything away, but it's basically about this group of kids in a boarding school and then on to college, I believe, and it deals with the idea of cults Hmm. and religiosity and the decisions we make because we've had some horrible events happen in our formative years where we're looking for connection. Uh, It reminded me a little bit of her story, the one by Kate Walbert in that way. Um, Mm. I think when people suffer tragedy when they're teenagers, it's really hard to connect. Oh, we've got a little theme here, you know, have connections that are meaningful Mm -hmm. and not beat yourself up, particularly in your early 20s. Absolutely. And it's funny because I was reading this at Jim's house, my gentleman caller, and he has a 19-year-old son who's in college, 
And it, I asked him, like, when you went to that, you know how, like, at the beginning of the school year when you go to college, it was one of my favorite days of the year. Like, all the clubs are there and all of that. And I said, was there, like, a communist party or any cults or not to come? I shouldn't compare the communist party to cults. I didn't mean to do that. But just where you can join, like, a socialist organization or something that might be different than the thinking that you were raised with. Mm-hmm. It's very common that that happens with young adults because they're searching for, you know, belonging in this new environment that they've yeah. stepped foot into. And sometimes you know? the exact opposite of what their parents are exactly. into. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, like they want to think for themselves. And so we had a really good conversation about that. And and that's what this novel reminds me of, is just that time period when kids are very susceptible to joining things that then can have some serious repercussions on their life, you know. So I really enjoyed her writing. This is her debut novel. I'm very curious to see what she comes up with next, okay. you know. Yeah, interesting. I highly recommend it. The Incendiaries by R.O. Kwan. You know, that's uh, going back to the Johan Hari book, The Lost Connections. He does talk about how connecting to your childhood trauma, acknowledging it and healing it is a huge part of depression, a huge Mm. part of so many different epidemics that are going on in the Western world, like obesity. A lot of researchers have found that people who struggle with that had really severe, or not even really severe, I mean, severe is all subjective. Mm -hmm. You know, what is severe to one person will be to another. So I'm not talking about any type of quantifiable social scale type trauma but to you what the trauma is like so many kids do have traumas that they have blocked or dismissed by the family of origin Mm -hmm. as you either being crazy or not remembering something or uncle joe would never do that to you right kind of thing yeah um and that's so much of our struggles with depression or obesity are located in our childhood trauma That's so interesting. And then also, I think what happens when you go to college, I know for a lot of people, it's a chance to reinvent yourself. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to become? Right. You know, and that's what this book is very much about, the incendiaries. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hmm. Themes. Yes, themes. The last book I read was one that got on my radar from um, Reading Women, the podcast Reading Women. They give an award, two awards at the end of the year. And this book was one of the books that they awarded, and it's called All the Names They Used for God by Anjali Sakdeva. Never heard of it. It was fantastic. Wow. Book of short stories. Mm-hmm. All this, They're not connected short stories. They're odd, but they're not like incredibly odd like George Saunders odd talking to you Jana um I loved it and I it, I finished the lawn boy on my flight to Bend and I had time left and you know I can't sit idle so I started and read the first story in this collection and I was like oh my god I am just going to savor this short story collection and that's what I did I mean I literally took over two weeks to read it which is very unusual for me because As I have professed on the podcast before, I tend to pick up a short story collection and just read it like a novel, which I think can be a mistake. Mm -hmm. And um, once I finished it, I got on Goodreads and realized that Roxane Gay, who I seem to have exactly the same taste as, (laughs) loved this collection and said the same thing. Like, this woman has brilliant talent. And to write every story collection was strong, and they were also very different. So I finished it just last night. I cannot recommend it highly enough. 
all the names they used for God, okay. Anjali Sakdeva. And this is her first collection. So I'm curious to see if she'll write, you know, a book of fiction or something next. That's so. really cool. Well, you sold me on it. Yeah, go get it. I, if, you, if you read short stories, this could be a good collection for 2019. Right. Biblio Adventures. Emily, you have some I've been places. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not going to go into too much depth, but as I've mentioned, I did a very big trip with my son Jacob. I was tasked with going to Bend, Oregon, where I've never been, to pick up his car. And when I was there, I was just there for an overnight, but I did get to go to what they consider the old downtown area, which is, has some old warehouses and such. And I got to two bookstores, Dudley's Bookshop Cafe, which is a beautiful store. It does have a delicious cafe, great selection of Pacific Northwest authors and cool like maps of the Pacific Northwest and things like that. Highly recommend it. And then Pegasus Books, which interestingly is just like four doors down. Oh, wow. And it is. Ma- manga is that how you say it? Manga. Ma- manga. It's manga. I've, manga. I've heard it both ways. Okay. Manga is how I think I've. Okay. Manga. Comic books. Lots of YA. Ooh. But they did also have some new and used adult fiction as well. They had lots of cool character, like what do you call those figurines and mm-hmm. things like that, and toys. So both of them worth a stop if you're on that street in Bend. I drove down to California, didn't get a chance to get to any bookstores, but Jacob and I stopped at Glenwood Springs and had a one-day vacation day, (laughs) and it's a cool little town right off I-70, beautiful hot springs. I highly recommend it, and we got to go to Book Train Books, which is um, a bookstore right in downtown Glenwood Springs, and it has... Is this Colorado? Yes, I'm sorry, Glenwood Springs, Colorado. And it has an incredible selection of magazines. Wow, that's great. I know. You don't see that too often anymore. You really don't. And I feel like it was like a newsstand kind of, but indoors. And I just loved it. And they too had a really cool Colorado section with, um, it had, you know, this was now we were just a few days before Christmas, so it had been pretty well picked over. Yeah. But um, I really enjoyed it. And then Jacob is looking at applying to grad school. So he had put me to the task of looking for some books about behavioral economics and social stuff. And I went to their business section and they had an incredible selection in this little bookstore. So I think on book six, I had picked off the shelf. He was like, okay, okay, mom. Like, careful when you give me an assignment. And then um, there was also a store around the corner called Book Grove, which was not open, sadly, Mm. because this was, I think, a Monday or a Tuesday. But they are a used bookstore and I think also, what do you call it, like first editions, antiquarian bookstore as well. So if I get to go back to Glenwood Springs, which I would like to, I will stop there. Then we moved on to Breckenridge, Colorado, which was our final destination, and I spent many days working in the Breckenridge Public Library, which is definitely a library with a view. Yeah, those pictures you posted were beautiful. Yeah. I mean, you're at 9,000 feet when you're in Breckenridge. If you go skiing, you're at 12,000 feet, and I had a great view of the mountain from the library, and it was hilarious because by the time I got there, 
you know, I do actually work for a living and I was quite behind <laughs> and I have, I do a lot of financial work. So I have this little 10 key keypad that I pull out and work with. And I had like a day of work lined up. I pull out this keypad dead. Oh, My battery was dead. And I don't, you know, I, I've been to Breckenridge before, but I was like, I don't even know where to get a battery. So I went down to the librarians, like tail between my legs, please, can you help me? And they kind of looked at me cross-eyed, but did have my back, lent me a battery for the day, which was nice. lovely. So, and then in Breckenridge, there's a bookstore that I have been to before called Old Man Birkin's Used Books. It's one of those that you can just get totally lost in little hard to find a book if you're looking for a particular book mm -hmm. but he does have a lot to choose from the bookstores for sale oh wow if anyone's interested in moving to breckenridge mm -hmm. it's a cool tourist town and then a new bookstore had opened since i was there a couple years ago called breck books it's a really sweet very sunny store like lots of windows a great section with puzzles and gifts you know for young kids two great spots for you to stop um, and then as I was going out of town in the airport at Denver airport they have a in each wing of the Denver airport which is one of the biggest airports in the country yeah. <laughs> there's a tattered cover books and great selection mm -hmm. I shopped there I did not I don't think I got a book but I did get Jim a really cool t-shirt that has the Colorado license plate on it, and it says "Read." That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is excellent swag. Yeah, yeah. So I covered some tracks. You sure did. And Jacob was a good sport. I mean, I didn't have to, you know, remind him about the miles I was driving on his behalf. So, <laughs> <laughs> which I was prepared to do if there was any scoffing at stepping into a bookstore. But he was a good sport and went to every bookstore with me, and um, it was really sweet. That's so, great. <laughs> yeah. And then I also watched some things I wanted to just oh, yeah. talk about super briefly. Totally, because I've watched some book-related things, yeah. too. So let's go for okay. that. Okay, so I watched Dumplin'. I did, too. Did you? Yay! <laughs> <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It's based on so the book sweet. by Julie Murphy. Mm -hmm. Stars Jennifer Aniston and Danielle McDonald. I loved it. It was adorable. I really loved it, too. Heartwarming. Yeah. Yeah. Just an easy to watch if you don't want to have like a difficult night of viewing yeah. and have some laughs. But it was still poignant, I thought, mm -hmm. too. And there is a whole Dolly Parton theme. Yeah. And a couple songs. Yeah. 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 Oh, how yeah. fun. That's a, we watched actually a Dolly Parton Christmas movie, too. Unlikely Angel, mm. I think was the name of it. I, she's made several Christmas movies where she starred in it. So. Oh, how fun. Yeah, she's an angel who needs to get her wings. Or she's dead, and she hasn't become an angel, so she has to do a good deed. And then I watched, along with, I guess, 50 million other people in the world, Bird Box oh, by Sandra Bullock, based on that? the book by Michael Louis Cavillo. I didn't Cavillo? realize that was based on a book. Yeah, yeah. And I had seen that Simon Savage had posted that he read the book first before he watched it, which I'm usually a fan of doing, but mm -hmm. I didn't have a chance to do. And he said... That he thought the movie had done it justice, but that the book was way better. Okay. Um, I probably would not have watched this book on my or this movie on my own, but I was with some boys who wanted to watch a scary movie. As I've mentioned, I live in the woods by myself, so I'm not a huge fan of being frightened. Yeah. But I have to say, even though when you first turn it on, it says rated R for bloody content, which just about <laughs> made me go upstairs with a book. 
<laughs> I sat through the whole thing. I closed my eyes a couple times. It's Sandra Bullock, right? Yeah, and who I really like, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I thought it was good. Yeah. Okay. So it, it didn't scare me. All right. You which is been, shocking. I haven't seen a lot of buzz about that, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's the most number one downloaded movie of all time on Netflix wow. for opening week or something like that. It was like 45 million people, literally. So. Huh. And then I watched, and I feel very late to the party, because this book came out in 2017. It's called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat, Mastering the Elements of Good Cooking by Samin Nasrat, whose background is in a cook at Chez Panisse, which is, you know, big time. And she's a good friend of Michael Pollan's. They cook together and teach each other important shit. (laughs) And she has a show on Netflix called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Yeah. And I watched the first episode, which is about fat, and I was just, like, mesmerized. And I'm completely in love with her, and I'm planning to go buy this cookbook. Oh, cool. So she's a total overachiever. Like, she wanted to learn about fat, so years ago moved to Italy, is fluent in Italian, and so the episode is largely in Italian, which I thought was very impressive. Yeah. And she goes and learns about olive oil and making pasta and all sorts of stuff and hmm. sounds yummy. fantastic yeah yeah all right i'm done right. talking oh, what did wow. you do Chris? so i watched a couple things i did one i watched dumpling as i said i also watched the haunting of hill house mm. the new netflix original series which i had tried watching in the past two times but the beginning scene was too tense for me and i thought i don't want to watch this so I, I didn't watch it but then i was sick Right. And I was in bed. And I was at the point where I was feeling too, like, weak to hold up a book. And I'd been reading a lot. And I thought, I want to watch something. So yeah. I tried it again. Because I thought, you know, I'm sick. I don't really care if there's anything under my bed. It can come kill me. <laughs> Do no, me a favor, yeah. please. This so, is, and Shirley Jackson is the one yes, that wrote that. Right, Shirley okay. Jackson wrote The Haunting of Hill House, which is right. one of my favorite books of all times. There have been two other adaptations made of it. Now, this Netflix series is loosely based on, you know, they take the premise of that particular haunted house and they have some of the iconic scenes from the novel. I think it was 10 episodes. I'm not exactly sure, but I binge watched it. I really love what they did with the whole concept. I was into it. I binge watched it, loved it. It's one of those things that when you start looking back, and you start looking at it critically, you think, yeah, that, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't fly. Like, So the premise is this family, a man and a woman, and their four kids move into this house to renovate it because dad wants to flip it. So he doesn't have much money, shoestring budget, but he has four kids and he's flipping a 100-year-old mansion. Like, <laughs> come on. That just doesn't work. Right. But it works while you're watching it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've seen very mixed reviews, but some <laughs> yeah. people have really loved I it. I enjoyed it. Like, if you, if I, my younger self would have hated it because I was such a purist. Right. I would think, if you're going to edit a novel, like, it needs to be exact. But now right. I'm much more like, it's a different art form. Right. You know? We get more flexible with age sometimes. Is that what that is? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> well, I've come to appreciate movies as an art form. Yeah, yeah. Much more than I did as a younger person. I used yeah. to just think of them as entertainment, but mm, I can yeah. really, when you look at how to, how do you take a character from a novel who has an arc, how do you represent that in a visual form? Right. Like, it's fascinating yeah. to me. And so, again, um, these four kids and the, the parents are, are new characters. They're not in Shirley Jackson's novel. But 
what they did, how the writers worked with everything within that story that they've created. I thought it was really good. Oh, great. Really enjoyed it. This is the time of year to binge watch for a lot of us who yeah. are in the winter months. So yeah. that's awesome. And it got, it, that, that opening scene was very scary for me because it's a little kid waking up in bed in this big mansion. Mm. And there's tension. You know something's happening. Right. And I just like, oh my God, I don't want to see. But when I was <laughs> sick, I didn't care. Um, another thing I watched was the movie Adaptation. Oh, yeah. Which I never saw. Lauren, oh, neither of us had seen this before, and I didn't really get the point of it. Yeah. I thought it was kind of a silly movie. It, I just remember it being really weird, but yeah. I don't, I, I mean, I think I saw it when it came out, so I don't remember yeah. it at all. Really but, yeah, really weird. Kind of like Susan Orlean is a character in there, right. because the, this character is adapting her novel, The Orchard Thief. Right. So Orchid Thief. Orchid Thief. So it's all about him and his struggle to do that. But Susan Orlean is a, a character in there right. who's like off the rails, having an affair, doing drugs. Like I'm just like, wow, how does Susan one... Orlean feel about that? Well, and that's <laughs> the one played by Meryl Streep, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, it's now a term that I don't think they used back when the movie was made. It's like very meta, yeah, right? right. So, And I guess they, I did read one brief article that talked about all the other quote, characters are using their real name in the movie because it's the Coen brothers, I guess. Yeah. And some other characters. So they kind of convinced Susan Arlene to let them use her name too. I see. Which I think, I, yeah, I just didn't get that movie yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but one more thing to mention that I did watch, Laura and I watched an, the, an episode last night. Marie Kondo has a new reality show on Netflix. I've heard. Yeah. yeah. And what'd you think? I thought it was interesting. I think they'll need to find their pacing a mm-hmm. little bit better. We want. We started watching the first one, but it got a little... It's about young parents with two young kids, and they were starting to fight about laundry, and so we stopped watching that one. And <laughs> What, does she go in and, like, tell them how to clean their laundry room? I don't get well, it. Well, she... It's taking her system of, you know, you start with your clothes, then your books, then your paper, then your miscellaneous items, you know, mm-hmm. and you do these things systematically going through your house. Mm-hmm. You know, it's motivational. Yeah. There's a translator working with her. So she comes in, Marie Kondo comes in and sees the house and gets them started on their clothing. And then they come back again to see how they're doing. See. Yeah. Yeah. Short snippets of things. And it's cool because you, like in that episode we watch, you see the transition of the man in particular who is really mm. quiet and seems so disengaged from everything as he starts doing this and touching everything. And getting rid of things that don't spark joy and mm-hmm. focusing on the things that do spark joy. Like, he, like, comes out of his shell completely. Hmm. So. Yeah, well, stuff, I mean, I'm a big believer. Talk about, going back to our connection about depression, mm-hmm. that things can overwhelm you. Just, I mean, the things of your life, yeah. you know, and that if you can get a handle on that, it does lighten you. Absolutely. And you can see more clearly and all of that. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's good that there are shows like this and books like this out there because... We all have a lot of stuff. We do. Upcoming Biblio Adventures. Yes, we have a joint jaunt planned for next week. We're going to go finally. We've talked about it. It's probably been the most talked about and anticipated joint jaunt for the book cougars. And one of the most close the closest ones to us. The Noah Webster House in West Hartford. Mm -hmm. We're planning to do that next week. And then I have a big... 5-0 birthday happening next week. 
I'm really excited, actually. And I am going to go down to New York City and see Aunt Ellen. And we have tickets to see Choir Boy. Cool. um, Which is off-Broadway. And it's written by Terrell Alvin McCrary. And he's the writer of the movie Moonlight, which I really Mm -hmm. loved. I think he's one of the MacArthur Genius Grant Award winners. And he's currently the chair of playwriting at Yale. So I'm not making my expectations too big, but I'm really excited, and I think it will be a really good show. Right. And then on January 19th, I'm planning to go to RJ's in Madison because Danny Shapiro is going to be there with her new book, Inheritance. Roxanne Cody, the big gun, is going to be there interviewing her. I've never read one of her books. Mm-hmm. I, there's not a book of hers that people don't rave about. Yeah. So, And I've heard really good things about this new one especially, so... Maybe I can even have it read by then. Yeah. There's a big event, January 28th. Uh, Michael Chabon is Ooh. going to be at Yale. Ooh, I'd like to go to that. Yeah. I have never read one of his books. I've had two of them. I've, I just never got I'm around to I'm speechless over here, people. <laughs> wow. Kind of like Cavalier and Clay. Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay yeah. is amazing. I totally want to read that one. So... I'm not sure if I'll get to read one of his prior to that, but I do want to go see him. Is it ticketed? Do you know? It's not ticketed, and it's open to the public. Ooh, I want to go. No reservations are required, so I don't remember where they said it was going to be, but I imagine it's going to be in an auditorium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go together. I would love to go to that. All right, now, upcoming reads. I have, um, the reason I read Sisters Brothers is because it's been on my list forever, but also our book club that I'm in, French Exit by Patrick DeWitt, is our book coming up. And I haven't been able to get it, so I was like, well, at least I'm going to read something else by him. (laughs) And it's funny because I went to the Guilford Library the other day because it said that French Exit was on the shelf. Mm -hmm. I got to the library. I couldn't find it. It still said it was on the shelf. So I went to the reference librarian, and she's like, it's 1.30. That book got checked out at 1.27. Bummer. So I said to her, oh, you mean I just have to go tackle someone in the parking lot? <laughs> and she looked at me horrified. And I was like, I was just kidding. It kind of. the fire in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thought, wow, this is a crazy one. <laughs> so I do have that as an upcoming read, even though it's not in my possession yet. But it should be waiting for me at the library. Because she did put it on hold for me. And I said, I thought, because there were a lot in the system, and I said, I thought that you guys didn't transfer new books in her, you know, library. And she said, no, that's been lifted. Oh, interesting. Good for okay. you to know. Yeah. yeah. And then I also have The Eating Instinct, Food, Culture, Body, Image, and Guilt in America by Virginia Soul Smith. Virginia is going to be a guest on the podcast in late February. Yeah, I want to read that one, too. Yeah. Well, I was at the Guilford Library, and this book was on display. <gasps> It's a graphic novel, Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts, Tales of Fear and Food from Around the World. Um, It's with Joel Rose and comics top horror artists. Wow. So it's a collection of stories. Cool cover. It is a cool cover. So it's about food and ghosts and scary stories. There's also a couple original recipes in here. How fun. Which I thought would turn you on completely. But the premise, so I started reading it, and the premise is this rich Russian guy has had this swanky meal with all of the top chefs flown in to create this meal. 
And when everybody clears out, he has the chefs come and sit down and talks about this a Japanese tradition where people would light, they'd light a hundred candles, warriors would light like a hundred candles with a mirror, and then they'd sit around and tell scary stories. Oh, wow. To the point where they'd horrify themselves and scare themselves to death, apparently. So these are about scary stories that involve food, oh. which... Who, who knew there was such a thing? Yeah. So, but this is a graphic novel I think I mentioned. Um, Anthony Bourdain's Hungry Ghosts. I'm looking forward to that. And this, I think it just came out. Because there is a note at the end that this was the last project, the last communication that he and Anthony Bourdain had. Wow. Before uh, Bourdain's death. Wow. So they were in communication working back <clears throat> and forth. Right. So. Cool. Yep. And it's from uh, Berger Books. They're an imprint of Dark Horse Comics. So looking forward to that. Yeah, great. All right, everybody. Well, that's it for our first episode of 2019. Woohoo! <laughs> many more to come, many books to come. Yes. And authors. Yep. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Happy, Happy reading. reading. Hey, everybody. It's Chris. We just wanted to leave a quick note regarding Lost Connections by Johan Hari and the, the claims that science has disproven antidepressant drugs' ability to target and help depression. That is one author's opinion that is based on his own research. We in no way advocate that belief. I personally have benefited from the use of antidepressant medications in my past. So before you make any changes, definitely talk to your doctor. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.